Hello and welcome to today's VJ Hemonk podcast. We are a global open access video journal bringing you the latest in hematological oncology. In today's podcast, leading expert Angela Dispensieri brings you the latest in AL amyloidosis, touching upon the importance of early diagnosis, novel agents, and more. First, Dr. Dispensieri is going to discuss the importance of early diagnosis and raising awareness of this disease. Hello, my name is Angela Dispensieri. I'm a professor of medicine at the Mayo Clinic. Uh, today I'd like to talk to you a little bit about uh, AL amyloidosis. Uh, things that we can talk about is uh, how do we make the diagnosis. This is probably one of the most important things because delayed diagnosis in AL amyloid uh, can amount to um, death, uh, essentially, and we need to diagnose patients before they have advanced cardiac disease. So there are a number of different initiatives in terms of educate, educating physicians and multi-specialty physicians to get an earlier diagnosis. Those MGUS patients uh, that have funny symptoms, the smoldering patients who have um, complex symptoms like shortness of breath or edema, uh, all should be considered as possible AL patients. Um, also, cardiologists need to really remember that diastolic dysfunction uh, can be a harbinger of AL amyloidosis. The next important thing about um, thinking about the diagnosis and making the diagnosis is making the correct diagnosis. So uh, once one considers a diagnosis of AL amyloid, they get the free light chains, they do a biopsy. It's imperative that that biopsy be typed for amyloid. Um, there are many different types of amyloidosis and only AL amyloid or light chain amyloid will respond to chemotherapy. Um, ATTR amyloid or transthyretin amyloid is another uh, form of amyloidosis that has very distinct therapies. Uh, it's more common in older men and uh, it definitely uh, should be not confused with AL amyloidosis. So once you have a diagnosis, then it's very important that a patient be staged. So we already have our free light chains. We have our um, monoclonal proteins, 24-hour urine, hopefully. Uh, but then one needs to get cardiac biomarkers like NT-proBNP and troponins. Um, that really helps us stratify uh, how a patient's going to do, important for prognostication. Next, Dr. Dispensieri will discuss therapeutic approaches for AL amyloidosis, highlighting the standard of care for patients as well as important clinical trials, including the Andromeda trial. Now we have a diagnosis and we need to think of therapy. Um, of course, clinical trials are most important and a little later in the conversation um, we can talk about clinical trials. But um, for those uh, patients uh, for whom there is no available clinical trial, the standard these days uh, is uh, daratumumab, cyclophosphamide, bortezomib, and dexamethasone. The Andromeda trial has uh, demonstrated that um, this regimen is far superior to just standard um, Cybor-D or cyclophosphamide bortezomib and dexamethasone. 
Um, what we see is you know, uh, complete response rates that are greater than twice as high. We see organ responses that are greater than twice as high when we are using the daratumumab uh, containing regimen. Uh, we find that um, we don't have um, true uh, overall survival information yet because the trial is immature uh, from looking at that endpoint, uh, but really very promising, quick responses, and um, one sees really important clinical improvements. Now, of course, the Andromeda trial excluded patients with um, NT pro BNP of greater than 8,500, so those really sick patients, the Mayo 2004 stage 3B type patients um, were excluded. And so this is definitely a population with unmet need. Dr. Dispensieri will now go on to discuss unmet needs and challenges in the field of amyloidosis and will conclude by discussing the promise of novel agents including KL-101 and NEO-D-001. In terms of unmet needs in this space, um, there are many. We're certainly doing way better than we had previously. Patients are living longer than they had, but uh, I think that uh, a greater awareness of the disease is one of the biggest unmet needs. I think that also um, improving therapies, having you know more therapies available for patients um, with AL is going to be very important. A major challenge in the AL space is um, really the, the definition for progression-free survival uh, in these patients. The hematologic progression, uh, which was really described and characterized about over it's about 15 years ago now, um, really is not the best um, given the highly effective drugs that we have nowadays. And so I think that improving um, definitions for progression and endpoints for trials will make it easier in the AL space um, to get FDA approval or uh, different types of approval for drugs for our patients. Um, I think that um, supportive care um, and having uh, AL expertise is also very important. Um, although these patients have plasma cell disorders, just like patients like myeloma have plasma cell disorders, um, or they are plasma cell disorders, um, these patients are much more delicate than myeloma patients due to the, the multi-organ um, problems that they have that are characteristic of the disease. And so uh, having a patient treated or at least consulted um, with or in an amyloid center is a worthwhile thing to do. Some ongoing clinical trials uh, in that space, so uh, international studies currently um, one is using the, or there are two actually using the Calum drug, which basically is uh, a, an antibody that is uh, designed to hopefully resorb the amyloid more quickly. Um, and so that there, one trial is for patients with stage 3A and the other is for stage 3B. And hopefully we'll see in these patients with really truly unmet need that uh, by adding this antibody, uh, patients will uh, have a better overall survival and will reduce that early death rate. Similarly, 
uh, Prothena has um, the NeoDO1 um, drug that is looking at patients with uh, stage four uh, AL amyloid and they, again, an antibody to help resorb uh, the amyloid fibrils more quickly in patients that are sicker. Uh, so those are really looking at that population that often is ignored to some extent because they are so sick, these high-risk patients. Um, a number of, uh, you know, uh, we're wishing and uh, hoping for uh, some of the exciting uh, immuno other immunotherapies um, that are existing in the myeloma space to be moved into the AL space, and several um, studies are in design and, and hopefully will be coming um, to help our patients. In terms of uh, response, again, you know, uh, measuring those free light chains is imperative, following the cardiac bio markers is also important, understanding that sometimes even the cardiac biomarkers can go up the first few cycles, um, and if they are persistently elevated, then one needs to contemplate changing therapies because perhaps um, the therapy is too toxic um, for the patient. Uh, always a trick in treating patients with AL is that um, it's not always the disease's fault that the patient is doing worse. Sometimes it is actually our medications. Um, there are also some interesting studies coming up um, to address the uh, observation in patients with multiple myeloma that um, venetoclax has um, uh, really great effect in patients uh, whose plasma cells contain the translocation 1114, and um, there have been case series to this point demonstrating that effect in patients with AL as well. So be on the lookout for clinical trials um, using the venetoclax uh, with dexamethasone or in other combinations. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at VJ Hemonk and subscribe to VJ Hemonk Podcasts on Spotify, Apple and Podbean. Until next time.